0: Hey, g'day everyone, this is Simon, and welcome to episode... <laughs> Fuck, hang on. <clears throat> okay. Simon and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise, but getting nowhere fast. Redmond is the first one for 2019 that we've actually recorded in this year. How are you going, mate?
1: Hey, g'day, Simon. How are you, buddy? Good to be back. Um, At the moment, I've had a bit too much coffee, so my stomach is as sus as a nun squatting in a cucumber farm.
0: Wow. Wow, that's pretty sus. You know, coffee can be great for conversation, but the side effects, if you overindulge, can be quite shattering, really, can't they?
1: Well, it's more like the rear effects, the side effects. What's coming out that, not the sound hole, but the other hole, is just disgusting.
0: Yeah, look, that's okay, actually I what I was alluding to. I was actually alluding to that. Just I said it a little bit nicer than you were, but hey, no point beating around the bush. That's for sure.
1: I opened the doors and the flies fucking pissed off choking up, <laughs> <because> <laughs> dry heaving. You
0: know, and
1: actually, you know, as far as, as as a nun squatting in a cucumber farm, I'm I'm probably going to go to hell for that. But you're probably actually, going um, anyway. Well, oh, I don't believe in hell and. Fuck, if I'm wrong, by the time I get there, they'll be the only ones that accept my resume anyway. I might might make it management.
0: You never know. You probably are already, like, on their short list. Hey, we've got a real cracker bit of a show coming up for you for our jaunt back into 2019. First of all, we're going to discuss... Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, but it kind of sounded right at the time. We are going to talk about some 1994 cars. Then we're going to have St. Lucy dropping in for her chinwag with you about Monkey Magic, because I can't stand that show, and it's got to be up to you guys to sort it out. The one thing I'm hoping that you will actually decide once and for all is trippy Tarka the thing that rode the horse was it a guy or a girl was it a girl playing a guy was it a girl playing a girl was it a guy playing a guy i have no idea and it's just troubled me forever and i can't stand that show but i know you two guys are fans so you're probably the best people to deal with that and we'll follow that up with some 1994 music mates so first of all i guess just doing a bit of catch up how's christmas did you have a good christmas
1: christmas is excellent i had to go back to work on boxing day but I had a really really good christmas got hopes of good toys i get a Corvette every year
0: what do you get called every year
1: i get it well, i don't know that i get a corvette every year now like a, a model corvette so oh a corvette the, right yes.
0: sorry yeah okay i'm waiting for the
1: christmas where i get the the real one
0: yeah okay hey well it's going to happen one day hopefully it's funny the christmas present that probably seemed the most i don't know like menial or the one that really didn't seem like anything too flash for me has actually been the one that's been the most handy. Saint Lucie gave me one of those uh, nose hair trimmers. You know those ones you just put like a double A batch or whatever in and they you can trim all your nose hairs and stuff and your ear hairs with them. Uh,
1: Unfortunately I know very very well, yeah.
0: I am amazed by this thing. Like, you know, the deal as you get older, especially with me, the more hair that goes to my head, I find it just migrates down my back and I sprout out of my ears and my nose. Kind of like, you know, you get like a VitaWeek with Vegemite and butter and you squeeze the VitaWeek together (laughs) and you get all the shit coming out of the holes. It's like that. And then the thing is, I'm actually going to record it and I'm going to play it like after we just do this little bit so you should hear this nose trimmer go the first time I used it I switched it on yeah this seems pretty straightforward stuck it up my nose and it was like you know when you get the mower and you have the deck too low and the grass is way too high and it sort of goes on, goes and it just sounds like it is under so much load that's what this nose hair trimmer was like (laughs) I was like holy shit
1: straight straight into relief it was just
0: working it's ass off And the worst part was a couple of times it kind of caught nose hairs and pulled them out and it felt like they were coming out of my brain. I was like, oh my God. But it's really effective, i got to say. And then it's good for your ears and all the other sprouting old man spots that you get hair from. Not from the nether regions, you know, I'm not that keen, but I tell you what, it is a fucking godsend. If you want to like look like you're, you know, you're not 80 yet, that's for sure.
1: When you hit them hairs in your nose, it's like when you hit a pimple in your nose, it feels like it's directly attached to your, to your central nervous system. You think this is what they must do to people with the electric chair, this is what it feels like. But you're right, once you reach our age, you do worry about fibre intake and excess hair all over the place. It's ridiculous.
0: I think you've got that covered with you drinking too much coffee. You're probably sorting out the you know, regularity of your system by doing that.
1: Man, it's like, it's like landing a 747 with no wheels into a football field A snot. That's what it is when you drink too much coffee. (laughs) Straight through it. (laughs) Classic. The other thing about Christmas is, you know how much I love the baby boomers? There is a couple of small points, which I had forgotten, but I was dragged blindingly backwards into their their grass. You know the couple of things that doesn't mark
0: them? What's that?
1: Their love of cigarettes. I had the in-laws here at Christmas, obviously, out the back there. And my yeah. father-in-law chain smoked his ass off the whole time until the dog. I the dog's going to have to have nicotine patches when he left. And false <laughs> teeth. Apparently, they're not quite the most comfortable things. So there is times that maybe, like, I'm glad they're not listening to this podcast because they're very good to me. But yeah, uh, false teeth and cigarettes is you know about as much a baby boomer as anyone should have to see it at four or five o'clock in the morning.
0: I guess that's probably a really good point. I must say, look, I smoked cigarettes for 15 years, right? So I'm probably the worst kind of anti-smoker. I quit smoking when I was probably 30, 31. And so it's been a while. It's been like 15 years nearly. Right. And recently I was traveling for work and I was staying in a motel. And like I just the positioning of my room, there was like rooms down like an alcove. So people in the alcove would come out. And sit out the front of my room and smoke, but it wasn't like just once. It was chain smokers. Like every ten minutes, this bloke's out there on his phone having a conversation, sucking back a dab. And anyway, I ended, up, I ended up, I sort of opened the door and said, hey, listen, mate, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass, but your fucking cigarette smoke is filling my room up. It actually, like I was stuffing clothes under the door and everything, but I could not stop it coming in. And he goes, oh, well, where else am I supposed to fucking smoke? I said, well, mate, you could just go out the front and have a cigarette, you know, but smoking out the front of my room, like the room next door is empty. Why don't you smoke in front of there? Anyway, I was being really nice about it. You know, I was trying to be really uh, gentle and not trying to be a cu- anyway he just he didn't take to it so what he ended up doing was when he went back in i got the two chairs there at the front of my room and the ashtray and i actually moved them to the other side of the like the the forecourt like the driveway as you go <laughs> to the motel anyway and i thought i'm ready for world war three it's going to be on you know but it was just i don't know i'd never do that to someone else i guess he comes out to obviously go and have a cigarette I hear this knock on the door, and I open the door, and he goes, You're really serious about this, aren't you? I said, Yeah, mate. I said, Sorry, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but, you know, I can't be sitting in here sucking on your cigarette smoke. I said, I'm an ex smoker. Makes it even worse. He goes, Oh, fair enough. And look, to his credit, he just went and smoked on the other side where I moved the chairs and the ashtray to. So, you know, all the people who currently smoke are probably thinking I'm a total c. I really don't care but it's just you know like I guess a bit of common courtesy and like I said I was being really nice about it at the start so it's not like I was trying to be an asshole. but seriously such is the way it is the, the
1: problem with dealing with cigarette smokers, and I don't know I, don't, I couldn't I've had plenty of vices and plenty not cigarette smoking but I've certainly had plenty of vices and shit that I've got wrong is they're not at all afraid of lung cancer emphysema Or $60 a pack of cigarettes, so they definitely don't give a fuck about me or you. They're like, if they're going to overcome all them other obstacles to get to that cigarette, me and you don't even rate on the fucking. they're like, fuck you, I'm a smoker I want because I don't give a fuck, even though it's addictive, it's general surgeons, health warning says my teeth will fall out, don't give a fuck about any of that,
0: you know? is it really $60 for a pack of durries now?
1: Well I went to buy that's that's what happened uh, when Father Law was here. Holy I was just fuck. eating a few drinks. I said, oh, I'll get yeah, I'll, I'll get down the street and I think of, okay, i it was more than fifty, and you know, I was about fifty fifty three or fifty four bucks down the corner shop. So and I've worked on sites where it's no smoking, so if you get caught smoking, you do your job. Which can be a 80000 eighty thousand dollar job and guys don't care, they will still smoke. So I appreciate their passion at managing to put aside all of that to work their way through and think, I don't give a fuck about my health or my job. I'm going to fucking smoke. I really appreciate that kind of stupidity because fuck knows I'm
0: a stupid man. (laughs) Commitment to the cause. (laughs) It is. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, of course, here at the Thong Slappers, we pride ourselves on cutting a short story long as we just have so we might get on with some um you know look while we're doing a little bit of i guess catch up tv i want to just do a quick little bit of feedback we had from a fellow called zachary todd he runs 54 customs Uh, it's a small fabrication shop he says it's for sydney and canberra so i imagine it's somewhere in between those two places he specializes in sort of doing hot rods and customs Uh but he sent us some really cool feedback and i you know Bear with us. He sent this to us a little while ago. Now, this was regarding... He sent us a a flyer that people may have seen on our Instagram page to the Smashed Avo Music Avocado Festival that was being held at, I think it was Docklands. Um, Oh, and you got... This is no bullshit, by the way. And you got a complimentary Smashed Avo on toast as you entered the thing. So, yeah, it was kind of scary. Anyway, I'm just having a closer look at this thing here. There were avocado activities for this. Saturday, May 19th, if anyone's interested. And if you're interested, you probably shouldn't be listening to this show. There was avocado and spoon races, breakfast basket, smashed avo cooking classes, personal finance advice workshop, as in, you know how people can't afford houses because they want their smashed avo on toast, avocado dances, face paint and glitter, live avocado art. I'm going to repost this just so people realise that we're not bullshitting. It's scaring me wholly and solely, and this is, of course, maybe um, aimed at, aspects of gen y and definitely millennials but this is zachary's message to us i just had
1: zachary to, todd.
0: yeah zachary todd has had to sow the seed first good evening fellas long-time listener first-time writer great podcast boys I've sent through what has come to my attention this evening. It is with great disappointment of my generation that this event is gaining as much popularity and attention as a kebab shop next door to a pub at 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning. (laughs) I've lost faith in a generation of top knots and three-quarter jeans, long socks and shitty craft beer. Thanks again for a great podcast and cheers, Zachary. Mate, we appreciate the support and thanks for bringing that dangerous thing to our attention. I don't know about you, mate, I missed a couple of things from Bible studies last episode that I really sort of wanted to touch off on. So, if you can bear with me, I might do a bit of that as well. First of yeah. all, now, I'll be brutally honest with you. I read Street Machine Magazine before we are doing the podcast. I read through it fairly thoroughly, but I just didn't have the time to give it 150% just with everything else that was going on pre-Christmas. There was a couple of just two minor things I wanted to add that I felt were definitely worthy of mentioning on the podcast. First one was a quote from Harry Haig when he's talking about driving back to Calder Park on Thursday night in, of course, in the HQ, the Pop 666 HQ. Harry says, I've never been so nervous in my life. I'm listening to weird noises I've never heard before and watching the gauges like it's my first porno movie. And I fully understood what he meant. (laughs) Like, did you just know what he's saying? You just can imagine the concentration, the sheer panic the enjoyment the, everything that's happening as he's driving watching the gauges and of course he did make it to Calder and finish the event so that was really good but also I just wanted to give a quick shout out to another cool car I sort of skimmed over and want to give a little bit of time to was Dominic Pell's Sigma which runs an LS2 um yep. it's the blue one and it, you know it was its first outing pretty much like first strip time was drag challenge and he ran a an 1183 at 130 mile an hour so the times probably aren't quite what he's after yet and he said he's had some dramas he's fixing of course you've got to fix you know troubleshoot problems and all the rest of it but 130 mile an hour that straight away shows the car's potential right it's it's got it all happening so once it gets that tuned and dialed in like 100 percent it's going to be awesome to watch but i was always a big fan of dominic's turbo ls powered hk kingswood he run that at a couple of previous drag challenges. It's fairly stock-looking car, like it's dark blue with a white roof, and it was running pretty well into the tens from bad memory. And it, you know, has like stocko kind of front wheels with hubcaps and stuff. Not too sure whether you're familiar with the car, but I'll post a picture of it. But recently, he had that car for sale, and it came up on one of the Facebook car pages. Anyway, it's a great car. It's beautifully built. It's a proven drag drag challenge contender, and it's a, you know, it's pretty much a done deal. You wouldn't. Have have to actually do much to you know keep that car on the go but what I wanted to do was as per typical Facebook he was copying a bit of shit from all the Facebook engineers and just keyboard warriors and people probably with no idea about the advertisement he had for the car and about the car itself was just completely unjustified. And of course this is very regular it happens with any time someone posts something for sale you get all these monday's experts coming on telling you what's wrong with stuff. Anyway, this was Dominic's response. I just loved it. I if I could like it more than once I would have. This is what he said to this particular guy. If there's anything else you want, the phone number is in the ad, unless you already know more than me about my own car, or you're from the generation that offends people behind a keyboard instead of using the phone and talking to me it's okay if you want to get your parents to call me if you feel a little anxious to ring me or like human contact or feel afraid to get an answer that you don't like. Oh, <laughs> mate, he just shut this guy down. It was so perfect. So good on you, Donnie. Fans man. of your car and fans of your attitude, which is a good attitude, mind you. So did you have any leftovers from um, Bible studies you want to clip off on? I- I
1: really like that Sigma, and I'm in exactly the same boat as you. When we done that bubble studies, I'd picked out my stuff from the magazine, but I hadn't covered to covered it. Now I've covered to cover it. I really like that Sigma, too. It's a nice colour blue. It's got the, the cool wheels on it, the turbo mount at the rear, and it's it's a nice car, and the story also was really well written. Some uh, stuff about advertising a car that I... I don't think it got it, uh, published in anything but I just wrote in my own little rants. So I do like the advertisers of cars when they put, you know, unfinished project. If it doesn't sell by tomorrow, I'll just finish the thing and other things. Like, this thing will run 10 second quarter miles with 150 pound more boost. And, you know, it's got, you know, Recaro <laughs> style seats. And these people are just blatantly <laughs> lying. I'm like, if you could finish a fucking thing tomorrow, you wouldn't be selling it in unfinished projects, you knobber. Yeah, um, yeah. But so, yeah, advertising and all that but then i have having a bit of a love-hate relationship thing with the whole instagram it's the only social media that i've had i still haven't touched facebook i haven't posted any personal on instagram i've got an account just so i can get on with the phone slappers but it's a challenge i think for the younger people it's a bit easier because they understand it more but yeah, yeah just wait waiting through the classroom of wankers and keyboard warriors and stuff they don't bother me not one little bit they're just fucking idiots and hell yeah. no
0: we're pretty pretty lucky on our page i feel we don't get a lot of that like it seems to be that people who go down that path either don't follow us or just don't comment we don't seem to have a lot of that which is
1: refreshing Mm. on that note can i please again thank everybody that listens to us who just can't be bothered riding in every week going red called the tarana or a fucking lx and it's not he said 350 call call evelyn or whatever just thank people for not listening just for that just they're not being tiny people they're not just saying, "Oh, he said this wrong he said because fuck knows i get it wrong a bit so if you're just enjoying us having a laugh thank you very much again and also with the avocado festival i'll have to check the bank account i'm pretty sure winston hasn't put any in if we could we would definitely be sending at 350 munro over as the thumb slap as representative to that day. Uh, oh.
0: Most definitely. He'd he'd shake the place into line.
1: (laughs) We might send Gus over there to film it. Fuck, that would be funny.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't it? What The worst part is, like, I fucking love avocado on toast, but I don't have smashed avocado on toast. Like, there's no more, no less. A simple meal that doesn't really deserve its own festival.
1: There's not not one vegetable I don't eat. eat Absolutely every single vegetable and fruit there is. There's, like, Brussels sprouts all of them, but my nephew, Nigel, at Nigel 3 f 4 the one with the... uh, uh, big banger vk i could chase him out into oncoming traffic with brussels sprout i could make him run <laughs> into a burning airplane with brussels <laughs> fuck he turned as white as fucking he was as white really? as the fridge yeah oh, i can't stand like the thought of him gets him sweating
0: man i love the things Les, i'm like you mate i mean i hate fruit don't get me wrong i can't stand fruit unless like those lolly bananas or apple pie <laughs> But I can't stand, oh, I hate fruit, but I tell you what, any vegetables, I'll fricking eat them till the cows come home. No question.
1: Just a funny story about turning white. Remember I told you last week that uh, they put me with the boilermaker and I convinced him to put a shaker on his 2006 XR8?
0: Yeah, nice work by the way, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he comes into work last week and they say, oh, because we get on good, because I, he welded up a couple of boom crack sticks and I, I ground them for him. Man, there's so many hours on the grinder, but just I was doing, I had to do that, or just watch him grind, because you've got to have a fire watch. So I got on good with him, so this week when he came back in, they said, oh, Red, you can work with Johnny again. So we're welding up this thing, it's quite hot. So I go and get, go out, walk out, and say, come on, Johnny, we'll, we'll go for a smoker. And he was as white as the fridge. I looked at him like, what? Johnny, you all right? And as I kind of, mm. he had all his boilermaker at times, I put my arm around him, he kind of half collapsed, so I just kind of, fuck. Thought I'll get him into the shade, he's just overheating himself. But then I realised the store is air-conditioned you know, we don't want our filters getting hot. You know, but his the store was about thirty meters away, so I thought fuck, I'm way better off to get him over there. So I grab him under each arm and just start dragging him towards the store. Yeah, yeah. But everybody, everybody else is going for smoke. And I me mean, mate reckons he looks across the paddock and points, says, to "Everyone, look at fucking in the fucker. What's he doing to Johnny? <laughs> just see me dragging him, whatever." Like the time I set up the, the high challenge, the high jump challenge, but see me dragging him across the flat. Then they've kind of realised. One of the guys gets fuck. Johnny doesn't look too well about things. So. Yeah, they ran across and helped me get him into the store, but I just think it was funny. They thought I was up to my normal fucking shenanigans,
0: but That's that's the crazy thing though. I mean look I can I can verify that this is 100% true, The story, and you were actually doing a really fucking top deed. You weren't fucking around. Like, it was serious. And, um, mate, yeah, I've got to take my hat to you. Like, that's fucking... You know, that sort of shit is life or death, the heat, and especially the heat you experience out where you are. I just right. think
1: it was funny when <laughs> I mean, mates see me, yeah. like, they often <laughs> see me, often, often see me with some shenanigans <laughs> or whatever, and they're like, what the fuck is... Yeah, sorry, that's on a bit of a sidebar. Where were we actually? Oh, look,
0: now? that is... It's kind of like an unusual twist to the whole... Not saying that you're a boy who cried wolf, but the boy who <laughs> fucks around crying wolf. And, yeah, it's sort of funny like that. But
1: um, Can you imagine back me and Craig and somebody was like, at oh, the time I got my mate on my shoulders and we walked past it, so he could look in the store window because <laughs> it's up really high <laughs> in the high. And he's on my shoulders and we walked past the store. And we'll like, what the fuck is that?
0: <laughs> love it. Love it. We'll get cracking with some 1994 cars. Yes. Now, I've got a list a mile fucking long of cars because it's an era, of course, you know, kind of like you, I like the history of our scene. I've got a mile of cars to go through, so I literally am just going to list them out because that's going to save pain for everyone. Oh, can I just quickly just add before we get into that? By the way, the reason I guess we keep our Instagram going is we like to contact with people, but it's also the fact we get to put uh, our words into pictures by displaying photos up there of stuff we talk about in the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're going, I have no idea what these two guys are talking about. There's a really good chance it'll be up on our Instagram page at the Thong Slappers, so you can actually put those words into pictures. Uh, Just a little sidebar. But first of all, I guess the car I want to talk about the most annoying Are you eating food, you bastard? No. (laughs) You fucking motherfucker. I'm stuck. Um, Okay, the first one is... uh, It was actually Street Machine winner of the year, Colin Townsend's FJ, the the black one with all the widened guards. uh, Yes. Oh, love that car. Still love that car to this day. I believe he still owns it and it's pretty much as is. You know, uh, it, it's funny just on Colin, he actually had an FJ featured in the April May issue of uh, 983. It was a light blue FJ sedan and it ran fat little 13-inch wheels and the guards were flared like they weren't pumped like the black one, but they were flared so he kind of had a style that he liked, but I remember the thing that impressed me the most with this was reading about his plan was to build the ultimate street legal performance car. So it had a 308, it had quad webbers on it making 500 horsepower, which you've got to remember back in 1994, super impressive and still impressive for today. Of course, with the top loader behind it, so it was manual. It has a widened track front and rear, which necessitated, I guess, with a huge Simmons widening the car. So not only did he widen the guards, and this is sort of something I really didn't appreciate until I reread this, recently was not only did he widen the guards he actually had to widen the rear doors because the lower rear of the rear doors cuts into the guards he had to widen the grill the front and rear pan and the bumper bars to match so the car itself is actually 12 inches wider than stock that you know, it's a super awesome car, and he later went on to build a VG Valiant sedan with a turbo Hemi that was just a tire-smoking machine, but I think for myself with this car, a couple of things from the feature that I love the most was the photo he has next to his dad's dead stock black FJ sedan for comparison. Do you remember that photo? It's in the feature from 94 and I'll post this onto our Instagram funnily enough. There's a photo, his dad actually bought an FJ sedan brand new in 55 that's black and they do a front on photo of Colin's car next to his dad's car and it's a friggin great photo. It's just a timeless photo from our history. Also Telfo from Street Machine, he actually uh, votes this as one of his favourite street machines of all time and in 2004 he actually had the pleasure of driving it with Colin. They did a, a story on it as well, which is available on the Street Machine if you go to their Which Car web page. But I think, look, this is probably something you're gonna think, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But my favourite part of that car, look, I know it's got a 308 with quad webbers I know it's got a top loader. I know it's got amazing bodywork and huge Simmons interior. is cool. It's just a fucking great car. The single red tail light is always such an awesome thing on an FJ. But probably my favourite thing of the car is the 308053 number plates. Of course, being a 53 FJ with a 308. I don't know why. They're just the original South Australian black and white plates with the S on top of the A, and there's something, it is just such the perfect finishing touch. Look, everyone has personalized plates these days. They're everywhere, but the fact that he's used the real cool early girl South Australian release number plates, I don't know, it just really finishes that car off for me, mate.
1: I definitely know that car well. Uh, again, at 350 Monaro, got to see it the other day, didn't he? At a show. Oh, did he? Oh, cool. So yes, he posted. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll grab i don't think it was an old photo he posted it recently i'll grab it off his instagram put on ours the thing i liked in the photo shoot uh from street machine was where it's getting pasted have you seen the photo where he's oh yeah yeah and that's just to me that harks back to the days of old holdens in the bush or grub stuff just getting pasted just getting beat on you know that's I kind of like seeing a HR and EH, any of that sort of stuff, just getting beat on as well. So that's a really good photo. I think he's got about three-quarter lock. Can't <laughs> <Big>, uh, <laughs> surprise me. Yeah. 500 horsepower, 308 FJ. That's not something that you can – you can't just get in that and do that. It's something you've got to learn to drive, you know. you got to have driven heaps of them with greys and reds in them and stuff, and yeah, yeah they'll, they'll really enjoy that car. I'm pretty sure it's still alive and still in the same condition. I'll double-check yeah. that and verify it and post it if we can
0: that's awesome and you know look i'm not surprised at the way colin obviously has some skills behind the wheel that vg valiant i mentioned with a turbo hemi that was featured a few years later in one of the photo shoots he has that thing the same he's doing the highest speed opposite lock in that vg sedan and i'm sure he's got smoke coming off the tires i'll have to dig up that photo it's another great one so you know he builds great cars and he's definitely an ambassador for our sport and the whole thing of just building cars the way you want them that's for sure
1: uh fj pretty common modification would have been to put a Holden red in it six and yeah with a hold yep. with a Holden red six in it the things probably didn't do 100 miles an hour in a lot of cases Yeah, oh, so it's yeah so it's how far cars have come forward in that time as well you know like fuck a Corolla a 2000 model Corolla does 190 k's an hour
0: comfortably too with the air con on it's scary mm-hmm. isn't it yep. <laughs> when you're going to the avocado festival and you're running late and you're scared you're going to miss out on the face painting hey um Mate, if you're cool to go, I'm just going to move on with some more 1994 cars. Are you finished up on the FJ? Am I being rude or is it all good to go? No,
1: but I am just about finishing up on Peter's frosty fruit, not for individual sale. May contain traces of peanuts
0: and nut fruit. Beautiful ice cream I'm eating. Fucking lucky I hate fruit, but I'll tell you what, I could go with some ice cream there, you bastard. Just gotta rub that in. Nineteen ninety four, Street Machine, Ewan Page, he was the editor. He'd been there for about a decade working with the magazine, but he was actually replaced by Todd Hallenbeck, who was the guy who was the editor for Fast Falls and Rotaries. So Street Machine was still in a great place at this time, you know, with both those guys as editors. It wasn't until until we kind of hit the Mark Osley years that things got a bit terrible. And look, no offense to Mark. But let's be honest, street machines just weren't his passion. And that's something we'll talk about in, I guess, future episodes when we're running into the early 2000s. But you know, there's some great cars in 94 that I'm just going to run through fairly quickly because there's so many of them. Mark Sanders' Heatseeker Monaro, which was the metallic blue one, that ran a 396 big block. Really beautifully finished. Like, the undercarriage detailing of that car was amazing. The thing I remember about the car, he had a twin three-inch exhaust, but one half of that exhaust was blocked off behind the mufflers, so it just ran out one side. And, of course, it ran the Heatseeker camshaft to go with the Heatseeker sponsorship. Another big toughie, Stuart Heider's metallic green EH panel van with a 540 big block Chev. Yes.
1: I don't yeah. know if
0: you remember that car yeah, with the Centeline Pro Stocks on it. Fuck the yeah. feature in Street Machine 94, he is just torching the friggin' tyres in this thing. That ran in the 8s at 159 mile an hour back in 94, so 25 years ago. Scary, but that was a tough car. I hope that thing's still around. Another cool car was Pearl Jam, which was a chopped Morris minor originally built by Paul Kelly, who's a great friend. Friend of the show and a top bloke an aussie icon as far as i'm concerned brett huxley then later built it he put a low light minor front on it and painted it white it had a chopped roof and it was a really cool looking car with moon Discs and it was actually featured when it was owned by lisa stevenson now the reason i mentioned this car not only is it a really cool mori but it actually reappeared at summernats this year so that was when i saw the photos i had to do a double take some photos of it on uh, the street machine facebook page and, oh, mate, it was just such a sight for sore eyes, that car. I've always been a fan of that. Another really cool one, Class Act, an XY Ute owned by Frank Aquilina. It was an... Now, this is what I love about this car. Look, I love XYs. I love XY Utes. It was done, painted like a GT, which is a cool look. It had Simmons on it. The thing I love about this and why street machining was just such an awesome you know, peak of anti-purist back then. Frank builds his XYU. It's a tough street machine. He actually painted it orchid pink metallic that came from the Holden range, right? And the detailing was in green, like it wasn't painted your normal Ford competition blue with the little maskings and all the rest of it, like restored engine bay. It had a shaker and stuff, but it was painted that green that Bedford Vans used to come out in. So here's a guy, loves XYs, loves mock-up GTs, instead of treading the normal path of electric blue or, you know, uh, what is that, Vermilion Fire... He goes with the pink with the green engine for something different. And it's a cool car, like it's got all the hallmarks of that era street machine. Cool paint. Nicely detailed engine bay. The interior is—it's not factory X Y stock. Like it's got inserts in it and all the rest of it looks really good. I always liked that. You and that's of course something I'll, I'll post up there. But he just chose a color that he liked. You know, wild orchid pink metallics—a great color. Looks great on the right car, and it suits this X Y down to the ground. <laughs> something really interesting I noticed from this era was Steve Nally, who was a street machine contributor. Then he had his own project car they were doing called U C for me. <laughs> Do you remember that? The red yep. colored U C six-cylinder of course it was modeled on hq for u that whole thing and i don't know whatever happened to it if anybody knows if that car was ever finished or whatever happened i just remember the the one of the features was one of the first installments of that project build he actually put on this set of speedy stealth five-spoke wheels and they just look fucking terrible it just i don't know it was they were kind of getting popular at the time like those oscar like those five-spoke wheels i don't know whatever happened to it whether it it was ever finished or how it ended up turning out but well
1: that could tie in with a
0: Aiden VL. Uh look I think Aidens VL is coming along. It's just I guess time and money like everyone with street machines it's probably slowing the project down a bit. But yeah, it'll be good to see when it's finished. It's gonna have some go by the looks of it too. But at least with Aidens VL, it's got convo pros on it. It's gonna look like a cool, tough street machine. I mean you can't compare HQ for you with UC for me. You just can't, you can't compare those two ProTec vehicles, mainly because of the wheels, but we all know, and all our Mutz out there know, how the fuck can you compare UC Toronto lights to HQ lights? Like, that's just, that's just illegal to even do that, to even try and put those two cars in the same boat, I think.
1: Have you been watching the NASA website at all this week?
0: <laughs> I didn't even know they fucking had one, so that's yeah, a big I'm no well, for chi- me. Chi- chi- Jeez, I, uh... you've got, you've got way too much spare time, <laughs> I'm right? telling you.
1: See China put um, landed a probe on the dark side of the moon, and they tried to grow some wheat.
0: Really? Seriously?
1: Yeah, yeah, again, yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking we should send them some UC tail lights. You know, if they want to really refract some some light. No, they did. Yeah, they they put a uh, seed down and it grew for about eighteen hours, and it died. I was watching it grow. Is that is that wrong?
0: You have way too much spare time. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> you compare you and me. You have cubic amounts of spare time, and I am always in debt for spare time. It's just amazing how that and works And I,
1: sp- I, I, I spend mine wisely by, you know, Googling defense budgets of fucking Rohingya and stuff like that. It's great. <laughs>
0: and I spend mine wisely like, Sitting on the toilet, trying to like multitask and like peeling carrots, texting you and doing my business all at once. Who
1: well, you'll like you'll like it when when you have a bit of a listen to what Lucy and I spoke about. We designated you oh, a spirit yeah. a spirit animal, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what it was. You'll have to go back in
0: and find it. And am I gonna be like a donkey, like an ass? It's gonna be something like that, isn't it? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't want to know when you guys when you and Saint Lucy get on and talk on the podcast. I'm not here to hear it. Like I'm away doing other things, and I just come back. And whenever I actually go back and listen back. To it, I kind of do it very tentatively, scared about what's going to be spoken about. So, anyway, she was all smiles when she walked past me. So, hopefully, she didn't she didn't bad.
1: she didn't slam any doors.
0: No, no.
1: So, Put it back on. Put it back on. No, I haven't finished.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Oh, just speaking of UC Toronto Tar Lights, and by the way, Redmond, I haven't actually told you this yet. So, just nod and agree and go yes, as if is it going to be cool for one of our competitions coming up this year right, 2019, we're actually going to be doing the Thong Slappers Fart Slapper of 2019 Award, which is going to be dedicated purely to six cylinders, right? Now, listen, before anyone thinks that we're being assholes about this by calling six cylinders fart slappers, you have to remember that my core project that I've had for the longest part of my life is a Hemi 265-powered Valiant VG hardtop, which runs a single three-inch exhaust and an automatic transmission, right? So I'm not bagging fart slappers. I'm actually the originator of the fart slapper. So if you ever heard that thing driving along under light revs you'll understand why. So one of the prizes for that is actually going to be UC Tirana based. Okay, so I can't wait to get this sent to someone. I can't wait to see the look on their face. So that's going to be something we'll be discussing in future podcasts is our 2019 Thong Slappers Fart Slapper Six Cylinder of the Year Award. So if you've got Thunder a six cylinder, start getting some photos ready to send to us.
1: The uh, first prize is a set of UC tail lights and the second is an at accommodation in Gus's dunny with fresh coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think there's a machine in there. Hey, getting back to nine ninety four cars. As I said, I've got a fucking shitload to get through, but I'm going to power on. Mean Streets, Burt Jewels, Tarana Hatchback that was cut down into a ute that ran a blonde big-box chef. It was white. His from Transrec in Brisbane. It had chop roof and everything. I tell you what, it was just make purest cry now. Seeing a uh, to hatch cut down into it, but it actually looks really good. Like he did a really good job of the proportions on it.
1: It looks excellent. But we can we just give a shout out to our mate at TJM Customs? He's got one. He built himself one as well.
0: His is oh. perfect too. Proportionally, yep. really good as well. So jump he, on he his does YouTube work up there.
1: Jump on his YouTube channel and have a look as well. He's a very helpful
0: guy. Yeah, big time. David Dowling's SatNav FC, which we kind of gleaned upon in episode 24, part one. That was, of course, the FC with a TPI 307 Chev, and it featured all this electronic wizardry, such as SatNav, which for back then was massive. It's not like now where you can get SatNav in a Toyota Echo, something basic. It actually had a really cool photo shot, that car. It was like on white sand somewhere. I don't know if you remember the photo shoot they did with it. Uh, That was a great, it just looked amazing, that thing. And it it was, one of the very cool things about it was it had the pop-out fuel filler, like a 56 Chevy with the FC tail light, which is very similar, of course, to the HG wagon from the 80s that was owned by a guy whose name I've just completely forgotten because I'm on the spot. Ian Hazel, him, Ian Hazel's awesome HG Prem.
1: Some of them cars around that the high tech thing is actually high tech itself. Rex Webster's FJ Gizmo. Yes. That's uh, who owns Gizmo? The Gemini?
0: Oh shit! I was thinking right. Ostrich, but that's a different guy. No. no and, and
1: the Orion Gemini wagon.
0: Yeah. Uh. uh Auton. Otron?
1: Or Autron, yeah. So that's what that kind, so that points around the place to them mm. sort of cars.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they were big, big hitters at the time. I mean, like Dave's Saturn of FC, that actually had a ZL Fairlane interior jammed into it, which is very cool, I thought, you know, and it, it looks the goods. It, it actually was really beautifully finished. And that made summonats some of that, that year. Would have made top 10, I'm pretty sure, from bad memory.
1: I like my brother Robert's idea on interiors. He wants to put an EH interior inside a HS for Commodore <laughs> instead of doing it the other way. I like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just see him broadsiding a, a Commodore HSV up the road, hanging onto an EH steering wheel, big bus wheel. That'd be something to, side to see. One thing you, sir, will enjoy is the shitloads of readers' rights they put in every issue. They had, it was probably four or five pages per issue with six cars per page with a little yeah, thing on it. That's something I, I know you love all that, definitely.
1: I, I guess I read the magazine. Funny sometimes, I go straight to readers' rides and come forward and backwards. And yeah, like I said, Really like to see a few more of them in there and almost yeah. lower, not lower end cars, but just cars that haven't won a trophy or cars that maybe don't go in car shows, you know, just readers' rides.
0: Yeah, big time, big time. And look, that's what I guess supports that's the fan base of the magazine and the stuff we get some from a lot of people it's grassroots stuff that they're building and always send us stuff if you can we love getting out there it might take us a little while because we have a bit of a backlog but we do get through it we want to acknowledge anyone making the effort to contact us and chat with us we're just dickheads like everyone else so we're more than happy to you know talk shit that's for sure now another cool thing from 94 street machine you could win Ron and Jeff Mayo's Trick XY, which was an aqua-coloured XY sedan with graphics on it. That was if you subscribed to the magazine. That was the giveaway price. How cool would that be?
1: That would be very. Think about XY's. Funny that you mentioned the different XY's. It reminds me always, one of my touch points, touchstones of XY's is Owen Webb's wild thing.
0: Yeah, the blue one. Yep, yeah, the sedan. Yeah, it's, yeah. Got,
1: yeah, it's got like GoFast stickers on the dash. It's got a taco screw to the steering wheel, you know, secured to the steering wheel. How different things are now.
0: You know, you're dead right. And that was just acceptable. Like, it wasn't... The noses weren't thumbed at cars like that. And that was the same. Like, the Mayo Brothers XY. That was such a great-looking car. The graphics and everything were... Look, just suited it. It, That was actually won by a guy called Andrew George. So, I wonder if he still got that car. be interested to know if the car still survives. It was one of my favourites from that time. So, another couple of cars that were cool. Peter Collier's 56 Chev pickup. I think the thing about that, it was like a... Bluey aqua color as well, very popular in the scene. It was called Steamrolling, I think. That car had a very US looked. I mean, okay, it's an American vehicle, but the actual build style was the very US style, like a Troy Chapania type styling to that car. That came up really well. That was a cool thing. And of course, Norm Longfield, who's been a rotter forever. You know, he's built some amazing cars over the years. He built that crazy 1941 Willys drag car and it had like the filled in front guards. That was another big one from the time. Look, a car I want to mention that is, I'm trying to say this nicely. It's a really well built car. It stood the test of time. It's still in amazing condition now. And it's, a, I guess, a cornerstone build. But it just never really floated my boat. with Brian Willis's HK Monaro? I just couldn't get into it. I don't know why. I think maybe it was the colour. Like, it was a Summonats Grand Champion, I think, for Summonats 7. And it's been lauded ever since. And it is a beautifully finished car. I just couldn't get into it. I think it had something to do with it, the fact it had massive tubs and big center lines, which is great. But it had, like, a, just a small block, a very. I don't know, like the engine bay or the engine was very understated. I feel like if you've got tubs, you need at least something hanging out of the bonnet. Maybe a bit of, I don't know, even a tunnel ram or something just to maybe balance it up a bit.
1: Yeah. I or am I just
0: being a wanker?
1: No, no, you're allowed to, like whatever style, so I'll, I'll point back again to Carlson's VK when he can kind of use the exact opposite, blow 350 in there, but just have everything so tidy and tucked in. It's, it's kind of really deceptive, that car. I see what you're saying, yeah. how, often, you know, I'm comparing it to, to
0: that Monaro. Yeah, I felt like it just needed even a, a big bonnet scoop, as in era correct, like a big hornet scoop, or just something to balance off the the fact it was tubbed with big center lines. Maybe that would, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I've got nothing to compare it to. I've built nothing ever to that standard too. So, you know, next time Brian sees me, he can just punch me in the head and I'll probably deserve it. But it's just oh, but wait, I, just, I, I just couldn't get thing. into. it. Hold on. Just one
1: thing, Brian, if you punch
0: one of us, you punch us both. Mm -hmm. And uh, interesting looking through 1994 Street Machines at the ads, the stuff you could buy, like center consoles, massive ads for center consoles and all that kind of custom-built stuff. But the other thing that I found very interesting was the people who still write for the magazine then, like column-wise, who still write for it now. You have Victor Bray, Wild at Heart. That was going great guns in nine ninety four as it does now. Dirty Stuff with William Porker. AKA great. great. Yep. I great love it. Stuff. Dirty Stuff yep. is one of my it's always long been one of my favourite columns. I'm just trying to remember William Porker's real name.
1: I know it. I just can't remember it. Uh, uh
0: called Tucky. Tucky. Bill
1: yeah, Tucky? Film Bill Tucky. He yeah. calls, be, calls beers cans of lunatic soup.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's him. Like, I love his work. He writes some great stuff. And, of course, I know your favourite column each month, Stage Right. That was happening back in 94 too, oh. and still does today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, a pair of socks stuck in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank fuck for that Hey, um, moving on from the showy side And the street machiney side Is to the Performance Streetcar side Performance Streetcar magazine was big in 94 As were the Performance Streetcar shootouts I love those events You know, the early, like 93, 94 They were just sort of starting to get their stride uh, of course, Matthew Rodonicus, who was editor of Performance Streetcar magazine for many years. It was an event that uh, they nurtured along with Yokohama. I think the last one was run, it was a bit of a, a breakaway one, was run by Mark Arby and Craig Thompson, maybe in the early 2000s. But when Performance Streetcar Magazine said goodbye in the early 2000s, the event kind of went with it, which was a real shame. But looking through 1994 at the coverage for this sort of thing, it's, it's just cool to see some of the names in the cars. Some have, you know, made a big impact have Gone, some are still around, some have evolved to bigger and better things. But... Uh, in 1994, James Saragas in his 2 cool TD Cortina, it was like a two tone white with a maroon. He actually yep. won the event in running low tens. And uh, he actually took out Mark Hayes in the final with his LC Toronto with a big block in it. So yeah. Mark was also running in the tens. He'd just like prior to that event, he'd actually like cracked a nine second pass in the LC, like his first ever nine second pass. And, you know, if you were running tens, you were a front runner back in those days because it was you know a tens is obviously still a quick car and a lot of the guys running nitrous you had pat whitwell in his green hb tirana with a nitrous small block you had paul Gretsch in his nitrous big block one tonner that was the blue one that eventually got painted black with trw signage it's actually been shortened i haven't heard hide nor hair of that car or paul for a long time so i'm not too sure if he still races or what he's up to but i guess the thing with that event It was so popular and it went hand in hand with the off the street segments of the magazine, you know, where they used to look at the cast in Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, what was happening. And it was just such a great time in, in that history. And that sort of event was such an exciting event, and it generated such a buzz, the Performance Streetcar Shootouts. They were held at both Willowbank and also down in uh, Sydney. I haven't kind of had excitement about an event, especially racing, until Drag Challenge came along. Look, the Cruise and Magazine Nostalgia Drags, they were kind of a bit of an in between They were something that were sort of came after the Performance Streetcar Shootout and finished up. Oh, well, they're still going, but... Uh, street machine drag challenge is kind of taken over from the actual street machine side of drag racing whereas the nostalgia drags more aimed at the hot rod side and then excitement possibly could come back as far as the perfect mix of the Performance Streetcar Shootouts with Drag Challenge. I was reading on the Street Machine 2019 Drag Challenge members page on Facebook and Scotty actually mentioned whispers that they may look at Street Machine magazine bringing back a shootout type event. So how cool would that be if that passion and excitement of the Performance Streetcar Shootouts came back nowadays as a separate event that Street Machine run? Sort of not, it's a different event to Drag Challenge. But it's, it sort of has that same, it's not replacing Drag Challenge, it's sort of something they'd run in conjunction at a different time of year, which I think would be awesome. Just like a one-day event, I think that would be fantastic.
1: Well, the cars are there, mate. There's never been so many more toughies. You know, like, I was, it is just unbelievable the amount of tough cars. that are out there in all different, you know, different street, drag, whatever you like to call them.
0: Mate, I know I'm crapping on, but I told you I had lots to get through. So no, this probably, is what we're doing. <laughs> you <yeah>, I, I <laughs> probably, just... probably had <laughs> three ice creams by now.
1: It was just such a hassle the last weekend, just bits and pieces. You know, when Ned Flanders said his house his house fell over, then the rubble burnt down. My rubble burnt down a bit during. So, really looking forward <laughs> to putting on these headphones and getting on this mic and having a good old yarn about cars. It's our escape. So, roll on. Big
0: time. Big time. Also, Ned Karanovic, his 57 Chev, was running high nines. That would probably still to this day be closer being South Australia's quickest streetcar. Maybe the XB Hardtop of Phil might be taking that crown. But anyway, either way, Ned's a great guy. Actually, know him personally from my time in Adelaide. I've always gone really well with him. You wouldn't meet a nicer bloke. And that 57 just has always oozed just badass. It is such a tough car. And, um, of course, him and his mate, Ace Amidzik 69 Camaro, they were like a pigeon pair with the street and racing back in those days and always impressive to watch. Another great car, Chris Simpson's Big Block 56, the Aqua uh, Chev. He's still around. He's still got Chevy. still racing as well. One name I hadn't actually heard of for a long time was Vince Wrigley. He had a Datsun 1200 ute with a turbo something or other. And the brothers used to race a number of cars including WRXs and things at the shootouts. Michael Moyt. The Walk 007 Wheel Standing TD Cortina, the orange color. Oh, remember that one. Oh, yep. me too. They're I just such them. a great combo. And it's so good to see like, Cortinas of TCTD era coming back at events like Drag Challenge with Windsors, with Barras, with whatever in them. It's great to see those cars back. Really warms my heart.
1: Such a hand built. Aussie classic to me just always been there and always will you know I've really liked that Cortina's
0: big time and it's funny with the off the street segment they ran in performance streetcar kind of like the drag challenge when you read in Street Machine now every month was like the continuation of a story of what was happening you know you'd, because of course being in Queensland we didn't know what was happening at the Adelaide or Sydney drag strips but you'd read those sections of the magazine and it'd be telling you about oh geez such and such he's running the quickest time down Adelaide now or whatever and you could sort of keep getting installments of the story every month which worked out really well i thought so very cool great era of street machining that time just lastly from a queensland front i just want to quickly mention a few cars that were very cool and are still cool now kev campbell's 302 windsor powered datsun 1200 was a white sedan the full sleeper i actually saw that car it drove past me the other day in brisbane so it's still alive <laughs> really that's it's, cool yeah you see this tiny white datsun making v8 noises it's very cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) that never gets old ever
0: (laughs) no definitely not especially when you know what it is like you go yep I know that car, I know it's history, I know what it's capable of, that's pretty awesome. Brett Baker, he had an E.H. Holden with a big-block Chevron and manual transmission. That was a great car to watch the drags too. And lastly was Jason Simpson's 460-powered XB hardtop. That was a Mulberry color. it was a very quick car for its time, especially with the weight behind those hardtops too. Look, I, I guess... Uh, Before I wrap this up, I just want to quickly talk about another car that I love to death. It was the first time I ever spied it was actually on the cover of Performance Streetcar magazine. was Jim Pappa's XC Coupe, the black one with a clear Perspex bonnet. Fuck, yeah, we've spoken about it. Love it. Yes, yep. I saw that car, and the thing I loved about it, it just harked back to street machines from the 80s and the 70s as far as different colour engine bay, huge chrome 12 slotters, the detailing that was done to it. His brother Danny owns the car now, and the only real obvious change to it is a set of auto drags, which is always a good thing, as you know, in my books. And that car is an amazing car, and I'm so glad it survives, and I'm so glad it survives as that 90s show vehicle, you know, with all that different colour detailing, with a clear bonnet, great car and something you should check out in the flesh if you ever get the chance definitely a very nice car love it yep agreed uh look finishing up 1994 cars van of the year was prox j it was a red fj holden panel van owned by colin and annette proctor blow and small block Tunnel ram, small block, actually. Tunnel ram, right,
1: brother, yeah, I made the
0: car. Yep, 283 Chev, tunnel ram. It's kind of like a monster red colour. It's got dragway indies. Drag rear, like all detailed in the back and the undercarriage detail. Look, you look at the car and you go, oh, that's a clean FJ van. But actually, you take the time to look underneath it. It's an amazing car. And no wonder it took that top van, not just in 94, but I think 95 as well. And later on, in uh, as we got towards the 2000s and into the 2000s, the thing with this car... It's been on the show scene since the 70s. They've been Vandas since the mid-70s. And this car first hit the scene, I think it was around 1979. It used to be white, around a 179 with an Aussie 4-speed and a... Uh, yeah, it's just cool to see that car still on the show scene all these years later. It's a pretty neat thing. It's got like a pre-tar lights in it, uh, and as I said, the Jaguar Indies, and it's just a really nice car inside out. And I'll, I'll put up some pics for people interested to see that as well.
1: I love that color red in any in any car. That that a red, dog dick red. Is uh, yes,
0: excellent. yep, suits it to a T. And it just yeah, it's a really clean, beautifully thought out, well detailed, excellently finished vehicle. So yeah, sure. Hey guys, this is Simo. Now listen, as per our normal default setting, of course we ran way over time recording episode 25, so we've had to split it into two parts. So for part two of episode 25, Redmond will have a good old chat with St. Lucie, and we'll talk about some more 1994. Look, before we finish up today's episode, one thing we actually have forgotten to mention was the winner of our cars in the cradle competition. It was actually Ben Fenwick from Adelaide. Uh, Congratulations Ben. Look, Ben has an amazing F100 pickup that he and his father, Andrew, actually built when they were living in America, and um, sadly, his father passed away uh, while they were living in the States, and Ben's brought the car home and given it a rebuild, and I've got to tell you, it was pretty impressive to see him do a celebratory shed skid in the F100 to celebrate winning the competition, so thank you to all our entrants. Everyone who took the time to tell us their stories and send in uh, all their photos and the like for the competition. We had a great time and also a massive thanks to our judges. We had Mark Happy-Williams, Shannon Herrod with the Tough Green 253 Powered Escort and of course Damien Lowe from Lowe Fabrications. And we'd also like to thank the people who actually sponsored us with prizes. We had Simon Telfer from Street Machine Magazine, Damien Lowe again from Lowe Fabrications and also the crew at Yellow Terror uh, for providing prize that Ben is surely going to be enjoying right about now so thanks very much before I finish up completely, I just want to do our normal thanks. We'd like to thank Queen Deb and St. Lucie for their constant support and putting up with the Redmond and I being wankers every few weeks. Also, Simon Telford from Street Machine for his ongoing support. And to everyone out there who takes the time to contact us and who tells us how much they're enjoying the podcast, it definitely keeps us inspired to keep going with it, that's for sure. So anyway, we look forward to speaking to you more about 1994 in Episode 25, Part 2. Cheers. Oh man, P.S. Here's a clue as to some of the music we'll be talking about next episode. And sorry, not sorry, for getting it stuck in your head for the next four days. Break the stop sign. Bring the stop sign. the stop the stop
1: sign.